0: instead of like best hair or best accessories we may be like best internet connection
1: (laughs) best backdrop best non-cloying use of children or dogs best interruption yep absolutely (laughs) like can't wait best random dad who couldn't give a fuck
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com
1: slash achieve today.
0: Hi, I'm Lainey. I'm the founder and editor of LaineyGossip.com, a talk show host in Canada and an entertainment reporter. And I am currently trying to decide whether or not I should read Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer.
1: Oh, man, I wish you'd ask me. I have opinions. My name is Duanna (laughs) Taha. I am a television screenwriter and producer, and I am a huge fan of A Rainstorm, but I don't have the perfect soundtrack for it tonight. On today's episode, will Duanna ever listen to a
0: song by BTS? The
1: answer may surprise you. No, it won't.
0: And we get into the Emmys. The Emmys are going to be virtual, so we are brainstorming what that might look like.
1: Especially for award nominees or winners who aren't used to being on camera from home with their kids or their dogs. And we cannot wait.
0: But the big story in TV right now has nothing to do with the Emmys. It has everything to do with Ellen DeGeneres and the reports of the toxic workplace and environment behind the scenes at her show. On this episode,
1: we discuss what's next for Ellen. When there are enough reports that you can't deny it, the only thing you can do is pivot. We have some recommendations. Whether she would take them is another conversation entirely. This is Show Your Wife.
0: Joanna? What? (laughs) Do you think that, um, you'll finally start listening to BTS now that they're coming out with an English song?
1: Um, I, you know what, to be, do you want perfect honesty? I, no, I don't think it's, like, I don't think my barrier to BTS is, uh, a language barrier. I really don't. Although, sure, that'll be interesting, but, like, you know, I, no, I don't know that that's a thing. I think I need, like, how come they haven't had a song placed in a major motion picture or show? Is that intentional? Um, They have, but just
0: not an English language show. Well, no, Euphoria. They have a song called Euphoria, and it played during the last episode of
1: Euphoria. Well, that explains it then. What I'm getting at is I need a, an iconic film film moment to fall in love with Mm. an artist. Do you know what I mean? Like that is how song love goes for me a lot of the time. Um, and my feelings on euphoria are complicated at best. Uh, but that I think is what will, is what's going to do it for me. Like just make me a song that is an anthem for something in some place, uh, for a time. Uh, and I'm going to be there. Speaking of, how, what does musical Duanna then think of, like, Shallow? Ugh. Okay. <laughs> Here's why I don't love Shallow. Because we've discussed,
0: right, we've discussed the performance of Shallow at the Oscars, and we've discussed A Star is Born, but I don't think we've discussed Shallow the song, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind Shallow as a song in and of itself. The problem is that the movie does it to death. And then, of course, the promotion of the movie does it to death, right? Like, here's what I was thinking. When you were saying an English language song, is that going to change your mind? I immediately started thinking about people who, I know BTS speak English. I know they're not going to be singing phonetically. But I started thinking about artists who had sung phonetically. And the Mm -hmm. first thing that jumped to mind was, it must have been Love, Roxette, in that scene in Pretty Woman right mm-hmm. the only yeah. time that we see rain in LA and it must have been love and it's tearing your fucking heart out um and that to me is an iconic moment for a song um i love that julia roberts it comes like screaming into this conversation well it wasn't just like i mean the the i was also thinking about the makeout scene in uh to all the boys i loved before original recipe um, that uh, that song it's uh, Anna and the Camp or something uh, when they're like that one was a Anna and the Wolves Anna and the Wolves that's what it was <laughs> and the Camp right <laughs> um, that was a huge like I that made that song iconic for me and I like dived into five albums but yeah who am I kidding at this point in my life I'm being introduced to music through film and television that's the the sum total of it. So I need something to cling on to. That's what's going to do it for me. Or this song that they're releasing is going to be a banger, and I'm going to love it. When is it happening? Go ahead and pimp uh, it for me. August
0: 21st. It's called Dynamite. I just want to say that um, you just light bulb something for me that I'm just going to start sending you BTS tracks because I know that you produce TV shows and write TV shows. And I'm just going to be like, are you looking for a scene where the two people fall in love or they get into a fight or they're estranged? Here's a song for you. And it's going to be a BTS song.
1: That honestly, that really does it for me. And it is one of the jobs that I super respect in TV that I'm not, I'm not qualified to do in the least music spotting, which is different than scoring. Um, is literally looking for amazing places to use those amazing songs. Um, You know, a million bajillion years ago, when I worked at a music video show, we would get these tracks that were compilations from the label of, um, like, you know, the top 17 to 19 releases of the month, specifically for that purpose. Like, that they didn't even necessarily think, this is an artist that we're going to break but these might be great tracks to put in in certain places, you know, um, like yep. to go under a song. Um, and there was also the weirdest song on earth. Do you ever have those ones that you think that you made up in your head? Yeah. Uh, there was a song. I that, do. There was one that began, I got big balls, um, and then it continued in that vein. And the second verse began, Now, I had a friend whose one wish was to one day go down on Madonna. Um, And this is a real song. (laughs) I thought I made it up, but it was a real song. I found it not too long ago. And it goes on to say how he eventually got to go down on Madonna, but then his life was over because, like, he'd achieved his dream. And then what? What was there to live for? So uh, compilation albums, music spotters, BTS. You know what a
0: good example of this, a recent one, at least in 2020, is... The like series soundtrack for um normal people, oh, yeah, right. Like, there's this song that I loved when I mean, I don't know that I listened to it the moment it came out in the 80s, but I know I listened to it at some point in the 80s. Um, it's that song Only You by Yaz. Here, I'll just play a bit of it, right? Everybody, and This is probably one of the songs that has emerged out of that show that people people love so much, either because they never heard it before when it originally came out or they were around-ish the time where it was... It's such a good song. And then I heard it um, during Normal People and I was like, oh, fuck, only you. And so I, like, have bought it, I downloaded it, I put it on 18 playlists. I love the song. And it was perfectly selected for the show and the people we cared about on that show.
1: You know, you reminded me of possibly my favorite uh, TV music moment of the past year uh, mm-hmm. was in, uh, and we've talked about this before, but on Becoming a God in Central Florida, which yep. is, as we know, spectacular. Uh, in episode six, there's a, a scene where she is walking into the um, She's walking into a big mansion, into a big party, and it was one of those songs. It was the song that I hadn't thought about in the longest time. Uh, It was uh, uh, Slomance by Touch Sensitive. Like, perfectly 90s, perfectly of the moment, but also you re-experience it in a whole new way. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely amazing. That's
0: my project, is to get a song, a BTS song, into one of your shows. I'm I'm into it. I can't wait. All right. Today, we are talking about, well, I can't wait. Like, I mean, the moment this happened, the moment this was announced, I was like, holy shit, I can't wait to talk to Joanna about this. I can't wait to brainstorm with her, or I can't wait to hear Joanna's brainstorm. Let me just set this up. Um, I want to say that you are a screenwriter, but you're also a producer, and... Um, in the early part of your career, you're a television producer, and you've had experience producing live award shows. Like you have all kinds of experience in this realm. So the Emmys are going to be virtual. They have sent out a letter. The producers and Jimmy Kimmel. Now that the nominations have been announced, they've sent a letter out to the nominees saying, "Hey, listen, the show is virtual. We're working on all kinds of ideas." We're going to send you the tech you need. You're going to look amazing. That's what they specified in the letter. But they are in the process, as we speak, of not just lining up the show, but conceiving of how an award show like the Emmys is going to look, kind of piggybacking off of Leslie Jones's nominations announcement show. So, Duanna, producer Duanna... Give me your ideas and your vision.
1: God, no pressure. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, it's interesting because what you said was, we'll send you the tech. Um, And what I remember reading uh, was that uh, soon you'll be in touch with uh, so-and-so and and her team. Uh, And I thought that was really interesting because they actually called out the like remote awards producer by name, who's not necessarily an awards show producer. Uh, I have her name here somewhere. Um, but, uh, but basically my interpretation was that actually there would be, um, more than just tech sent to your house. Uh, Because I think, like, you know, here's the thing. My immediate thought, and I think everybody's immediate thought when you hear of a virtual Emmys, is that thing where, you know, you have the five blocks of nominees of the faces, and there are four nervous people sweating, having to pee, and then there's one person whose, like, picture is up because they're not there. Right? Right. (laughs) Or... Um, you know, in the past when they've cut to somebody who, uh, can't be there and they say so-and-so can't be there, but they have, uh, you know, they sent a, a thank you from Australia or whatever it is. It's such a, it's such a like time suck or an energy suck. I mean, because you know that they recorded it before. And so that means that they knew. And so the tension has kind of gone out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, even if the other four, eight, whatever nominees didn't know, they knew, so they don't get to win in person. Thank you so much. I wish I could be there, but I'm here in Australia filming whatever it is, uh, seven. Um, so, sorry. It just, it's just, it's lame. So, I think the biggest task in front of <clears throat> Jen Proctor, the talent producer for the Emmys, and her extraordinary team at Cultivated Entertainment, I stole that directly from Jimmy Kimmel's letter. Um, I think the task is how to make the Emmys feel live, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how to make the wins and things feel live. So the reason I was uh, sort of getting getting uh, granular about who's going to see them at their house is that I felt as though, um, I felt as though they were implying maybe that there would be teams there? Are they maybe going to live cut between nominees um, in the biggest or key categories? A lot of categories this year are big or big fights. Like it's a weird year for it to be virtual, right? Yep.
0: It's a Um, weird year to be virtual. And, you know, to your point too, it it has to feel live so nobody can be pre-taped. So whatever fucking time zone you're in too, you're going to have to adhere to the whatever Los Angeles or New York time zone. So if you're in the UK and if you're in Australia, God knows what hour, you're going to be have to be like made up, ready, and Zooming or whatever program they design, right, to, like, have that live aspect, that live element, because I think that by now we can all just, we can all figure out who's not really live in these settings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's letter speaks to that as well. And I think this is maybe a good place for us to dig in. It says, our informal theme for the night is, come as you are, but make an effort, If you want to be in formal wear, we'd love that. But equally, if you're in the UK and it's 3 a.m., perhaps you want to be in designer pajamas and record from your bed. We want to work with you to style your moments, but want you to guide us with your levels of comfort, where you want to be, who you want to be with, et cetera. So do you hope people wear the dresses? Or is it going to look pointless if they're in the dress, but they're out by their pool? Discuss. So I definitely want that whole range, right? In the same
0: category, I want the person who, in quotes, doesn't give a fuck, but the lighting is amazing in their bed while they're in their pajamas and the skin is glowing and all of that. And they are nominated against the person in the ball gown. I love that. I think that that would be, that is a way to to give us something to talk about. You know what I mean? And who's the one who shows up in bed? If you are the presumed favorite, if you are Katherine O'Hara, yes, do you do you Moira the situation? A hundred percent. Right. Now, so the well, wing, the outfit, the whatever.
1: Katherine well, O'Hara shows up to, I mean, Katherine O'Hara is an exquisite example because she has shown up to every awards show looking just this side of Moira. She's definitely nodding right? To an exuberant style, but she's always keeping it, um, just on this side of wearable or, Mm -hmm. or conceivable for an event like this. Right. Right. So I think what I'm excited about on that front, what they're not going to do is have everybody, nobody's going to stream for four hours live, right? Like they're going to come to you per the rundown, um, when your award is five minutes away or yes, something. That's right. Which means that if somebody's wearing like uh, luxurious pajamas or, and somebody's wearing a ball gown or whatnot, I want to see them process that more or less on camera. What mm-hmm. we won't have is three hours of pregame, right? Which is usually yeah. us. Uh, sitting around going like, oh my God, look what this one is. That one doesn't look right on camera. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful in a still photo, that kind of thing. So I think there's going to have to be time built in to process all that stuff and to process like, who are you with? Oh, you have your triplets with you. Wow. Oh, what do you have? Those are your five dogs. How do you you get them all sitting there? Like, because I think that's the other thing that we're being promised, right? If everybody's at home, This is the biggest sort of follow through on the little peaks of voyeurism we've been getting all through the pandemic of, oh, that's what your house looks like? Oh, Uh what room are you in? Right? Like, what can I speculate about you or your house or your life based on what I can see of your backdrop here? And I think that's what these celebs are going to have to give up to us. In Mm -hmm. exchange for not sitting in a sweaty limo for two hours circling Hollywood and Highland, right? Yeah.
0: My first thought too, and maybe this is like not, well, this is probably by function of what I do for a living is one of the things I think we've noticed is that where typically celebrities get or have access to the best of everything The most democratic thing that has happened out of the pandemic is that there is one thing that celebrities sometimes don't have the best of, and that is internet speed. (laughs) Like, I can honestly say that I probably have better internet speed um, either through Wi-Fi or hardwire because I can do both than 99% of these celebrities who are like, talking to Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or whoever and doing their feeds or doing their, like, hits. Right. And they're all going to have to get a boost because you cannot have
1: a dropped call. No, that is for sure. Like, anybody who is a high-profile nominee, um, there are going to be people in and out of the house for weeks. So, you know, like an asterisk on the social distancing there making sure the infrastructure is right and the shot looks right and so forth. I also wonder if they will like pre-package packs. Uh, Packs, you know, we call a short video clip, a produced video clip is a pack, um, which I wonder if they will, instead of just uh, airing 10 seconds of acting footage or something, uh, it'll be, you know... Oh, I don't know. It's Zendaya. And we sit there and we talk to her, and she says, Here's what Rue meant to me. And then we cut to a clip from Euphoria. And then we cut back to her, and she says, And it's going to be so important to me no matter what. But also, I've been such an admirer of all these other women in my category. And then we cut to the live moment. And in theory, that live moment is when all of the others kind of process what they're doing, right? It's going to need to be a lot more guided. Yeah. Um, ironically, uh, it's like John Krasinski and some good news. Uh, I always get maligned for how I pronounce his name on this podcast. Krasinski, um, <laughs> kind of guiding and hosting. I think Jimmy Kimmel is going to have a lot of work to do to oh, yeah. make sure those moments all kind of play properly. Right. Let's get creative though. Like, I know those are a
0: lot of the, you know, tech and lineup and logistical things that we have to think about. But if you were in that room, like if you were in the brainstorm room,
1: what are some things that you'd be suggesting?
0: Um,
1: I might want, uh, it's hard, you know, because my instinct is to say, give any given category worth of nominees a question to answer like in the moment. I think there's a reason that the SAG Awards has emerged as a TV favorite uh, because people telling the stories about their starts or whatever doesn't necessarily elsewhere get much play. But you don't want to exactly make it a Hollywood roundtable either.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so I think that's what I would be spending my time on is what are questions that we can ask these people or what are right. quick Quick, easy conversations that can involve everybody so that nobody feels maligned. Um, you know, uh, in politics and uh, generally speaking in stuff like award shows, uh, somebody is actually very carefully counting to make sure nobody gets more airtime than another. Like right. if you air the clip that's supposed to exemplify their performance. the decision is done by then, but they all are the same length, that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, what's the question that they can ask in terms of uh, musical numbers and whatnot? I think I'm less interested in that stuff because Mm -hmm. I don't, that seems like the filler that it is. And we're going to have no time on this broadcast. Like it certainly won't run long because they'll have, uh, a lot of ideas of what it's going to be, but I don't want a whole lot of boulder roll. I would appreciate Jimmy Kimmel, like walking through each person's house or being introduced to their parents or children or whoever they choose to have there. Cause I bet you that's going to be a big thing is like, since we're at home, I don't have to do the cliched thing and tell my kids to go to bed. Hooray. You know, that thing. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So do you think it's still going to be a three hour show? I do. I do think it's going to be a three-hour show. Right. And here's the other thing to me that I think is going to be super interesting. Um, You know, it's, it's a bigger deal with the Oscars, but you used the word democratic earlier. Right. That the pandemic has been democratic in terms of how it affects everybody, internet speed, the same. Right. Right. I was very specific about how democratic it is. But yes. Like and
0: also LA is notoriously shit for a lot of like, I don't know, connection shit.
1: Well, they live up and down mountains. Like they that's the thing. Like there's a geographic principle. If everybody was in New York, um you can more or less be guaranteed the same weather from one end of the island to the other or Brooklyn or Queens or whatever. LA is such a vast crazy behemoth that it could be anything. Yeah, there's there's places that are going to be 100 degrees yeah. hotter than the next or whatever. The other thing, though, is the other awards, you know, those awards. Uh, anybody who deigns to press play on this podcast knows about the Creative Arts Emmys where they two weeks beforehand, they award uh, all the Emmys for the things that aren't sexy enough to make it to broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. There's maybe, don't, don't bite your lip at me. Like you're like, shit, at least she said it. I didn't. But there's no, (laughs) there's no other way to describe what those are for. They call them the craft categories. They call them whatever they want, but they are, yeah, the more tech aspects. But here's the thing. I don't know if we can sustain time at home with five writers uh, times two categories with five directors times two categories, it's not the same deal. Let me put it that yeah, way. It's right. not the same TV gold, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I am a fame whore and a ca- I love a camera, but not all writers are that way. Not all directors are that way. Yeah. Um. And so part of what they're going to have to do is come up with ways to make the non-celebrity laden awards. yep, Compelling in their own ways. yep. And you know, is that, is it, hi, my name is Duanna and I'm nominated for, uh, what we do in the shadows. And mm-hmm. now let's cut to one of our actors at, by her pool, reading my favorite line that I wrote. Yep. Like, is it that kind of thing? That's a great
0: point because listen, Nobody here is discounting the work of the people in these, for example, like craft non-celebrity categories, but it's a little bit different. Um, And frankly, remember, these are the categories that the large part of the audience watching a normal Emmy's. Isn't going to quote care about, and I'm talking about the people they depend to jack those ratings up. I'm not talking about TV insiders and like inside baseball nerds like us. I'm talking about the people like out there who are whatever the have the ratings machine and are pressing the buttons to like be able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right? So before people freak out, because you know, people are
1: like, those categories are so important. They are very they are important. important. They keep. Each of us employed in various capacities. They are important. Of course they're important.
0: But in terms of a visual television program that is three hours long, it's one thing to watch it when everybody's dressed up in an auditorium and they can do cutaways of how Jennifer Aniston and Issa Rae are reacting to the writers on their shows winning. And it's another when it's Zoom boxes, Mm -hmm. right, of faces that you don't recognize. That's right. Who have done the work on shows you may or may not have heard of. How do we keep eyeballs not changing the channel? So that is what you're talking about, Duanna. I love this point. And yes, does it mean actually getting more involvement from the boldface names and the actors on the shows? And going back to your original point, not just more work for Jimmy Kimmel, is this format of award show may be going to result
1: in more work for everybody, even the Jennifer Aniston's. Oh, I think absolutely. And I think that anybody who is a performer or nominated in a performance category probably knows that or will if they don't already. This is now they're being asked much like the like the nominations were a great example, right? Uh, Did is it fair to say you enjoyed the nominations more than any in your memory? (laughs) love, love Leslie Jones. Love Leslie Jones. Um, but you know, uh, also, uh, Tatiana Maslany and Josh Gad and primarily Laverne Cox, you know, they were, they were bantering. They were having moments. Those guys are there to be entertainers. They're not there because of their reading skills. They're there because we like watching them. And, yes, I think 100% everybody who is a nominee or a a presenter, if they still do those, in this show is going to be, like, sweating for it, for sure. It is to keep us entertained, um, and I think they all know that. So, if I was nominated, especially if I was somebody, you and I were talking before we rolled about, uh, uh, or earlier, about Normal People and Paul Mezcal, I'd be sweating. If I was that guy being like, Jesus, fuck, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, (laughs) But I think, yes, there's going to be a really, really high premium on keeping us entertained for a show Mm -hmm. that's this long. And I wonder whether they will uh, shunt some of the less entertaining visually categories to uh, to another night. You know, like, is this one of the times when you move up best choreography? for example, because mm-hmm. it's great to look at, um, and and shunt uh, something else to the side. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, this is what's so interesting, because the way that award shows normally, like, would go, the work that the celebrities, or many of them, put in was just to show up and look a certain way and parade around on the red carpet, right? And that was, for some, a source of complaint. Or, don't think of me as somebody who just puts on a a dress, you know, I'm more than what this dress is, and oh, the rigmarole of having to, like, put on this dress and find the dress, and don't ask me about the dress. But now, all of that work is impossible, and the actual work is the work that they're supposed to be good at. If I were one of the nominees, let's say, if I were one of the nominees in the acting categories, to me, at I would be thinking about in this moment, reaching out to the other nominees and being like, should we be brainstorming something to bring to the producers? That open letter by Jimmy Kimmel or the letter that he wrote to the nominees was more or less an invitation for input, right? And what he's saying is, dudes, this is our industry. This is what we do. We make TV. So it's time to make good TV together. You no longer get to coast On that red carpet with your jewels and your suits, your tuxedos and your gowns and just, you know, quip to whatever, Access Hollywood or CNN about, you know, your gratitude for the writers and just sit for three hours in your seat in the auditorium. Now we're actually asking you to bring your talent, perhaps, to your section. Get to work.
1: Yep. And I would bet money. Careful what you wish for. It, uh, careful what you wish for. on so many fronts. Because I would bet money there will be more um, scripted writers working now. That's not to say obviously the people who write award shows are scripted writers, mm-hmm. but they often are from the late night pool and the yep. um, and the stand up comedy pool. That's who generally writes an award show. Uh, But if we're doing bits, if we're doing stuff, um, there might be more scripted stuff, uh, you know, which this is a total shot in the dark and not based on anything. But I will eat my something if we don't look at the credits and see that Issa Rae had an additional writing buy by Mm. the end of the Emmys. That's my prediction right now.
0: And whoever it was who helped Brad Pitt at the during like the right. last little <laughs> lead up to the Oscars. But to me, that's what's that's what makes this game even more interesting. That like I wonder if this Emmys doing it this way is actually gonna mean
1: more of an effort. You can't just show up and look good. Well, you know what's so interesting too that you made me think of is, yeah, they show up and they pose for photos and so forth. And I mean, look, uh, sure, it's I'm not just this or I'm more than this or it's such a rigmarole or whatever. Let's say that the average star spends between 45 minutes and 90 minutes on the carpet. Is that fair? Yeah. What they got out of that in addition to, you know, promo and stuff like that is that every outlet in the world virtually – had um, new, fresh images of that person yeah. that yeah. they would use all year long, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly at E Talk, a million other places, we would use yeah. our own footage that we that we had captured yeah. um, of this celebrity, of this Nicole Kidman story, or this or that. That that gets a workout for months, right? And in the industry, by the way, we call that B roll, right? Like, yeah, what, yeah. B roll and like still shots and the whole thing. Yeah, we're not going to have any of that. And I bet you money. I don't know for sure, but I bet you that these celebs are not going to want uh, the images cap the images captured in their homes to be used ad nauseum, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, are they calling photographers to their house? like a Getty photographer, are they mm. getting into their getup earlier in the week so that they can sell some images of what they look like and then recreate it on the Sunday? Are right. they like, you know, like what bridal photos sort of? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> um, or to bring up Catherine O'Hara again, like the drone shoot for vanity fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what's that going to look like? Cause that's a whole other part of the award show economy that is going to be, uh, you know, stressing over not getting their usual infusion of product. I like that. That is, you know, you're right. Those are the
0: angles, like every single angle, both actual camera angles, but also work angles yeah. that are going to be a part of this new reality or at least this temporary new reality of award show planning and participation from the people who, let's face it, they can't actually not, like, what makes this even more hilariously complicated and entertaining for us is that they can't also opt out. You know what I mean? The ones who opt out. where the hell do you have to be? (laughs) Exactly. The ones who opt out more than ever will be able to see that they opted out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That they couldn't shift themselves to do this. Right. Um, and I think with the continual blending of TV and film and all that kind of thing, I think everybody will and should show up to the Emmys because, let me be the first to say it, there ain't going to be an in-person Golden Globes either or Oscars because even if everybody in the world is vaccinated by next March, which they won't, or wait, when did they push the Oscars to? April 2021. S- yeah, still. Here's what's going to happen in April 2021. Uh, If everybody's able to attend an in-person event, they're not going to because they're going to be busy shooting, uh, making up for all the lost time of this year. Ah, uh, huh. Right? Right. So... The Emmys behooves everybody to work out all the kinks Mm because I think we're going to be doing this again in a few months and and they're going to learn a lot from what worked or what didn't in September.
0: Sorry. It's so much more exposing this way.
1: It Mm -hmm. is so much more exposing this way.
0: It's so much more exposing because in many ways – While they used to say that the red carpet was so exposing, we're now seeing that the red carpet actually was a veil that could protect them. You know exactly what that game is. You've done it a million times. You know, it is a comfort zone. It is a soft place to land. Now,
1: all bets are fucking off. Well, and there's all kinds of things you have never had to deal with before. Like, don't tell me there aren't people who are grateful for the countdown clock when they're accepting an award. Cause they're like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to say anything else. Imagine yeah. if you're trying to accept an award you didn't expect to get. And your mom is beside you, elbowing you in the ribs. <laughs> like, don't forget so-and-so you'd be like, Jesus Christ. You're going to hope they cut you away, but it's not like you have to be ushered off your couch, you know? So uh, it's, I think a whole lot of things are going to have to be totally rethought. Um, I would pay a, ton of money. You know, they talk about fantasy camp. I would pay a lot of money to be in Emmys prep fantasy camp right now. Like a lot of money. Oh yeah. Now here's the question. Are we
0: watching together as we do normally do? And do you think that, you know, for award shows, let's say for the Emmys last year, you and I probably produced, I would say 20 to 25 Articles for the website amounting to mm, ballpark 14, 15,000 words. Are we going to have, and like, are we going to have that much to say now?
1: Maybe not, because many of the things that are going to be notable, oh, the speed, the lag, the whatever, are going to be repeated over several things. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. It'll be interesting. But, uh, but yeah, we might have to figure out a way to watch together safely. Maybe we'll live broadcast it in my backyard or something. Because uh, <laughs> I, I think we might need to process this in the moment. Instead of,
0: like, best hair or best accessories, we may be, like, best internet connection.
1: <laughs> best backdrop best non-cloying use of children or dogs best interruption yep absolutely (laughs) like can't wait best random dad who couldn't give a fuck can't wait for the Emmys many of
0: us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Not even the Emmys could challenge this headline over the last, I don't know, 10 days or so. um, Because Ellen has been the
1: big TV story. It's not going away either. Mm -hmm. Like the Ellen story keeps gaining momentum rather than losing it. I mean, it's been throughout the pandemic. So... Ellen
0: DeGeneres' COVID-19 experience has been at the beginning of the pandemic, stories started circulating about what a fucking dick she is. Then we found out that unlike other talk show hosts, she wasn't, you know, using some of her salary to pay for the people who couldn't work and was also actually hiring freelancers to shoot her show from home instead of using like members of her team. And then it just kind of snowballed. And then most recently, BuzzFeed has been doing days with actual employees, former and present, talking about the toxic workplace environment. I posted about it on Laney Gossip last week. And the latest, at least as of Monday, August, or no, at least as of Tuesday, August the 4th, so yesterday when we recorded this, you're listening to this on Wednesday is that there are rumors that Ellen is so upset that people have betrayed her in quotes that she may walk or and also reports that executive producers are saying the show must go on, that they're excited, they're working on the new season and they're looking forward to putting through changes after the independent investigation is complete um, and you know taking this show into whatever, it's 18th season. So here we
1: are. And the only thing I would add there, not to get into the weeds, is that in addition to discussions of a toxic workplace, there are also allegations of uh, sexual harassment in the workplace Mm -hmm. from some of those uh, producers, uh, although I don't think any such allegation has been levied at Ellen herself. No. I think
0: that Ellen has been accused of being a bystander, so... Given her power, watching and observing as other senior members of management, executive producers berated, abused, verbally um, treated people unfairly, she didn't either did nothing or encourage that behavior. So this is again like this is listen. She is a huge force in TV. The show is very popular. The and show makes successful. money. Yeah. Is hugely successful. The show is very popular. It makes money. Um, she is one of the highest paid, if need not the highest paid person on television. her Her whole brand has taken a hit, at least in this online community. I'm not sure if you know the viewer who watches Ellen, who tunes in um, and loves Ellen but who doesn't necessarily engage online and doesn't follow hashtags on Twitter and doesn't read articles in the Hollywood reporter. I'm actually not sure if that awareness has penetrated into those circles, but the, but the point is, is that Ellen's be kind, be nice, so sweet, dance, funny, laugh,
1: rah, 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 ha, ha, ha image has taken a serious hit. Do you know why I think it is penetrating to the viewership that you mentioned? Mm. Because the screenshot, the image of Ellen at home with red eyes crying, which I think was originally an apology for like not having hired the crew or dealt with COVID correctly. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, wasn't I'm- it the when she said that she was in a prison? Yeah, that might have been it. It might have yeah. been also when she was called to defend uh, what had happened with a with a dog that she adopted. My point is that image, that screenshot from that broadcast has been the cover image for almost all of these stories and Mm. for associated clickbait. And I feel as though that's part of why this story is making the round so uh, uh, robustly. Mm -hmm. Um, because that image is kind of the poster child for this story, if you will. Yeah. And again, like
0: this, I think one of, I mean, there are many reasons because we, like, of course, we are exposing toxic people, toxic workplaces, because people are demanding they be treated fairly now more than ever. But it's also so anti the brand that she set up for herself, right? Like, you can be an asshole. Like Howard Stern, for example, isn't held up to a certain <laughs> expectation of you should you're sweet to people. you 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 know, Ellen
1: barely swears in her stand up. Yeah, but and by all accounts, Howard Stern is not a bad dude to work for. Um, oh yeah, I, I mean
0: he's got a great reputation for the way yeah. he treats people he works with. Oh,
1: Even people... though
0: the brand is like controversial, provocative, you know the problem is Ellen
1: set herself up as wholesome, right? And she is far from the only one, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is an American pastime, if you will, when somebody mm-hmm. sets themselves up <laughs> as sweet and nice and lovely. Um, then people are really intent on finding all the reasons why that's not true. You better be. Right? And I mean look I'm not I'm not mad at people finding that out, but yeah, you do sort of I mean there are so many echoes of the Rosie O'Donnell show. Uh, I don't know if you remember that she used to call herself the Queen of Nice. uh-huh. That was her thing. She was zooming koosh balls over the place. People loved to sing with her. Ellen likes to dance. Rosie liked to sing. I don't think Rosie O'Donnell's a monster by any means, but I think that what happened afterward, the stories that came out of that show, and this is at a time when there weren't such abilities to make a movement, was that she was a human, sometimes a horrible human, sometimes fine, um, you know, but like had some sides, some of them dark. It's a lot to live up to when you say I'm the queen of nice or I'm super perfect or I never make a mistake. It's, yeah. Anyway, here we are. So I
0: guess what I really wanted to talk to you about is, first of all, I mean, you, you, like, listen, I don't think anybody is out here thinking that like, Ellen's show is not going to continue to be successful. I
1: No, I don't think that either. And I would argue, this is probably not a popular thing to say, but I think even if she doesn't address all the issues, I don't know if she's going to have that much like actual ratings backlash. I think if she addresses a lot of this stuff, it'll be because the network tells her to, um, not because... Uh, she's worried that she's going to lose the viewership.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess what I do want to do is play a little bit of fortune telling, but also therapist. But you know, in terms of the work, if Ellen would listen to you, what's the work for her?
1: Wow. I mean, this is uh look, I'm get, not going to lie to you. We've given each other a lot of assignments on this podcast. I'm not sure I'm relishing this one. Mm. Uh the first and foremost is to say that every denial, every I didn't look, I didn't see that, I didn't know that the ship was going askew while I wasn't looking. Um, is has to be gone. Every single person whose name is on a show and tons of people whose names aren't on a show, but every single person whose name is on a show sets the tone of that show and for that show. It has to be that way. And it it is utterly naive to say otherwise. You love to talk about who's number one on the call sheet. Mm-hmm. And even if, uh, number one on the call sheet is a 17 year old girl, um, the tone descends from that person. Mm-hmm. So there's no world in which you can pretend that you don't set the tone and set the tone with your executive producers that you expect them to carry downstairs. Right? Yep. Yep. I mean, and
0: that passing of the buck, a statement slash apology was about someone who didn't get it. Like you're talking about when your name is on the show, your name is on the show and there has to be a certain amount of accountability. And I don't know that with that statement, she's anywhere close to there yet.
1: No, which is really disappointing, but that would be number one. Um, you know, that you can't, you can't fuck around anymore and pretend like you didn't know. It's bullshit. Well, I guess
0: my next point is kind of a little bit of tea that I've been holding back for our show. And it's that we've all heard the allegations and the descriptions from former and current employees about what Ellen's really like, and it's totally not the image that she had out there. And then there are that there are you know the descriptions of what she's like from another segment of the industry which is media and it is at least in my circles and i think people know that i know a lot of media you know a lot of media you know you worked you worked in media you still work media jason just a different like department of media but we all get together and we share like horror stories or fun stories, right? You've been to a junket before and I'm sure you've had colleagues or other reporters from other cities like tell you, oh, I'm not looking forward to an interview with Tommy Lee Jones. That's the best example because notoriously Tommy Lee Jones is like the scariest ever fucking interview.
1: Um, It's true. (laughs) And but but can I interject with I didn't do a lot of junkets, but I have a junket story for the ages. Have I told my Christopher Walken story before? I don't think you have on this show. So tell it now. Guys, Yossick I love this one. I uh, did the junket for Wedding Crashers. There were a million and a half people to talk to. Yeah. I was, of course, super nervous about Christopher Walken. I think I had him second out of the 11 people I had to speak to. Yeah. And I walked in, you introduced yourself, the whole thing. And he said, hello. I'm not going to do a Christopher Walken voice. Who am I kidding? <laughs> and he said, Hello, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, so don't ask me anything about it. And then they went, roll camera. (laughs) So did you ask him about Saturday Night Live? I have no idea what I asked him. I was just like, I got to fill five minutes and I can't talk about the movie at all. Okay, then. (laughs) Um, So anyway, also terrifying, but, you know, perfectly jovial. Um, anyway, yes, junkets are terrifying. But the other place that I get lots of gossip that we do is, um, you know, actors are just like us, right? Uh Like they, uh, it comes in from the other side that people Mm -hmm. meet and they all talk about people they love and people they don't love and people they were supposed to love. They are just like us in that they get Super talent crushes on people that they're going to work with, and then disappointed by some and delighted by others. And so, yes, stories float around.
0: That's anyway a good segue that is into a Brad Garrett saying, like corroborating all the shits that all the shit that's been out there about Ellen, and basically basically saying, yeah, she's a miserable person, can't stand her. So you know, on that note, um, the common. I've heard more than once word on the street. I've never interviewed Ellen. I've met her, like, to take a photo and say hello. But the word on the street for people who interview Ellen is that she prefers being interviewed by men. Interesting. She thinks that, like, the best person to interview her is, like, a Mario Lopez type. That is her sort of… And that's verbatim, wait, how many times? Three times I have heard this from different outlets who have had opportunities to interview her. The word that has come down from her people is she prefers being interviewed by women or sorry, she prefers being interviewed by men, not women. And if you have someone who's a Mario Lopez type, that's the best person to slot in there. If you don't and you have to send in a woman, here are the ground rules. Again, I've heard this at least three times. The ground rules are, we would like to see your questions ahead of time. Uh-huh. Once you sub- submit your questions, we would like them asked in the order that you submitted them. Not allowing for the fact that conver- like interviews are conversations, which she would fucking know because she's an interviewer, but Okay but also you can't go off script from that moment. Like you can't be funnier, this is the instruction, than Ellen. Don't be quippy. Don't make a joke. Don't show any of your personality. The interview should always be about Ellen. Now, Whether or not this was her people overstepping their bounds the way she seemed to suggest in the statement that she released, remember, she said, there are people who represent me who may not have been representing my true self, like throwing other people under the bus. Whether or not that's true, that is the word out there, at least from what I've heard from multiple people who've had to prep for interviews with her.
1: Right. And... From around
0: the world, I should say.
1: Well, one of the reasons that I believe it is because that's not the only celebrity from whom we have gotten such explicit, um, utterly un-HR friendly instructions, right? Uh Um, There are a number of people who say, yeah, only women, not men, nobody thinner than our star, nobody prettier than, like, we've heard these stories and seen those emails firsthand, Um, So I'm not surprised. What's most interesting to me, though, to be honest with you, isn't the bit about uh, she loves a Mario Lopez type or whatever that means, uh, which, God, I could have a field day just just creating the Venn diagram of what that does and doesn't mean. Um, What's most interesting is the the Brad Garrett corroboration. Mm. You know why? Mm -hmm. She wasn't Ellen then hmm. Right. Like, I mean, she was a comic who was of enough note to have her show named after her sitcom, I should say, named after yeah. her. Am I I'm, I've got the era, right, don't I? That's where they that's the that experience been, that yeah. he's referring they're to. Of, they're of the same cohort. They're certainly for- of the same vintage. Yeah. 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 Um, But did they work together on that show? Is that where that's coming from?
0: I don't remember. Like, I mean, I don't know that show well enough, but I would imagine that also Brad Garrett would have been on that, like, comedy tour circuit around the same time and also know people who would be guests on the scripted
1: show and the talk show. Right. But I guess my point, to your point, you know, Ellen, like the Ellen show is a massive, massive ratings bonanza. It makes money. It does huge in the ratings. But even uh, when it, when her projects didn't, when she was doing stand-up or when she was on a show for somebody from back then to say, uh, yeah, I, I was not buying what she was selling, that tells me this is a long-standing situation. Right. Well... And I think
0: we've all established, like, over the last few months especially, that this was the worst kept secret
1: in Hollywood. Well, it wasn't even a kept secret. Ask Dakota Johnson. I didn't, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't care about her that much one way or the other. But after she went toe-to-toe with Ellen, I became a diehard fan. Yeah. Um, Because and calling totally. somebody out in their own house is stupid amazing and you wouldn't fucking do it unless it was so necessary. That's right. So yes, it is the, was the
0: worst kept secret. Everybody had an Ellen story or there was like an Ellen thing that nobody talked about. Um, but yet here we are. That is why it's such a big story. And that is why there's such a big question mark. Um, there were already like rumblings about Ellen being tired of the show before she had renewed her most, like, recent contract that she was going to either leave. That may have been a negotiation tactic, right? Like, right, that's right. very common. But there was also a sense, right before she renewed her contract for, the la- like, the latest, most recent time, was that she wanted more to build in more time to be away from the show. So already they had been planning for um more guest hosts and there was a spell before the pandemic where people were filling in for her like i think jennifer aniston filled in either for a week or a couple of days there were a lot of guest hosts you know kind of being circulated through the place because she wanted to go back on tour she wanted to do more stand up she had a netflix special last year so there was a sense for her that she was feeling restrained by the demands of a daily network talk show, given that she was so popular and wasn't able to capitalize it in other areas. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily connected to why she's supposedly such an unpleasant person to work for and with, but there were some hints that maybe she was tired of the show but couldn't walk away from the paycheck and that Portia didn't want her to do it anymore. And that may or may not be related to like her being such an unpleasant person to work with, um, allegedly, and that's no excuse, but it may be another reason on top of some existing reasons for her to tap out. Everybody's mad at me. People hated working for me.
1: Um, so I've made my money. I'm good.
0: Should I peace out?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I buy that version, and I also buy the, um, you know, the, well, uh, if they don't want what it takes to make a quality show, then fine, they don't deserve me, right? And you can hop mm-hmm. away on, on that front. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't, I don't buy that it has to be this way. You know, as you say, we have all known lots of people who've worked for lots of people, extremely successful A-list people, Um, and everybody has stories about, oh my God, my boss is crazy. But there's a difference between my boss is crazy and my boss is abusive. Mm -hmm. I can't look at them. They are Jekyll and Hyde when they are in front of people to not. Right. You know, um, I had a friend who worked uh, on, uh, Letterman for years. And like David Letterman has his stuff, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that my friend said most often was that he, um, like he was more or less the same guy. Sometimes you could see he was being ornery. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he was kind of over it. Sometimes he was having a grand old time. Um, but he was kind of the same guy and he did a lot of lovely things off camera that he specifically didn't want featured on camera, right? Like he didn't right. want to appear too soft. So I say that not because he's perfect, but just as a, a counterpoint. You can be the other person at least some of the time. So a uh, sudden and dramatic thunderstorm
0: just started in our neighborhood. (laughs) And that's maybe what you're hearing on the
1: show right now. Um, So yeah, you can actually, if you're careful, you can actually listen to the storm pass from uh, west to east as it goes from my house to yours. But yeah, it's pretty dramatic right now. Put it this way. It went from pretty bright light to it's so dark
0: in here right now. We had to turn... We had to turn on our nighttime lights because we couldn't see each other on the screen anymore because the clouds just, like, came over and covered our homes. Um, Anyway, so that we just wanted to explain for the audio. Sorry for the quick break from the Ellen conversation. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that, you know, for Ellen then, I don't buy that she's going to
1: leave. I mean, I don't buy that she's going to stay either. Hmm. Like, okay. look, here's, you said let's play therapist, so let's play therapist. When somebody talks so much about being so nice and so lovely, and they, it's because they like that label, right? Yep. They like being adored. They like being seen that way, and uh, even they like... They depend on it. Yeah. They like being capitulated to that way, right? Yep. So... If, if you have to defend your crown, um, then where's the fun in that anymore, right? If you have to say, no, no, don't worry, I really am nice. I know some of you guys think I'm not. Wh- what What is the fun there? And then, though, I see
0: your point, but then I raise you legacy. Uh-huh. In the grand scheme of things, this is but a five-month blip. In the overall consciousness and understanding of who Ellen is. So, there is ego involved with, fuck, let me turn this fucking around. Um, There's, uh, and to your point, are the ratings going to slip? You know, as you said, probably not that much. It's about the public perception. How quickly can I just trot out all my friends, the greatest hits of my friends, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, uh, Jennifer Aniston, all the celebs who love me, to prove to people I'm not a monster, to protect my legacy. And then I get to sail off
1: into the distance the way I
0: always wanted to sail off into the distance.
1: I get it. And I I believe that all of those things will happen. But I think, um, you know, I hear you that it's a five-month blip. But I think the conversation is kind of academic at this point because it was going to close out at some point anyway, right? Right. So, yeah, then then the conversation becomes how long of a redemption tour do we need? How much of a victory lap once we're back on top do we need? huh. Uh, how many college scholarships does she need to buy her way out of this with? Mm-hmm. Um you know, before she calls it in. But either way, I think it's a math problem of, uh, you know, a 14-month period uh, one way or the other. I don't think that she's signing on for another five years. I don't buy it. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I do think she'll be back in September and they'll
0: probably are calling in all their favors and lining up, you know, the most rock star A-list talent to come in one by one to Basically, say, I love you, Ellen. I love you, Ellen. I love you, Ellen.
1: That, and I think in the exact opposite way of the Emmys, this is the time for stunts. Like, Mm. this is where if I were Ellen, I would be like, get me, hire every old Oprah producer that you can find um, for that shit about, like, oh, we're on the Australia Bridge, we're shutting down a street, we're doing whatever. Um, but make it new, make it Ellen. Like I would want to be having stunts on stunts uh, because I don't think Ellen has done that a lot. No. I don't watch the show. I mean, the, the show, games, but... the games are the stunts, but yeah. But you're I right. think location, no. Yeah, we gotta like change the conversation. You better change the conversation, right? Like I think yeah. if Ellen was ever gonna jump out of a plane, now's the time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, jump out of a plane. I think that I wonder if they'll engage Portia a lot more to, like, humanize her more. But at this point, interestingly enough, maybe it's forcing them to be more creative and more flexible than they've been in a long time.
1: Oh, that I don't doubt at all.
0: And I think, hopefully... It sounds like, to be clear, it sounds like a lot of people still have a lot of fear who work there. And that fucking sucks.
1: No shit. I mean,
0: people are walking around stomping and trying to weed out who the betrayers are.
1: Ellen's show is, uh, it's arguably run by three executive producers, like one three headed uh, axis of power, right? Uh Plus Ellen herself. And I think unless you get rid of all of them, I think there's one who is expected to step down if they haven't already, Mm -hmm. Um, unless you absolutely get rid of all of them, of course, it's going to be um, like a litany of slights. It's a grade seven locker in there. It is all about getting back at this one and getting mad at that one. And absolutely it is. So I think that's the downside.
0: While I just said that it forces everybody to be more creative, it's it's in a place of desperation. I, You know, a lot of those people who are going to be asked, compelled, leaned on to come up with their best work, better work, great work, calling whoever they need, calling whatever favor, I don't know, finding whatever it is, bridge that Ellen's going to bungee jump off of. Um it is a different, it is going to be the same sort of kind of duress. At least it seems like it, because I don't know, the messaging that's been sent out right now, especially from Ellen herself, doesn't indicate that there's a a capacity for a lot of change.
1: Yeah, well, I think that is really the crux of it, right? Um, I don't know that we have anybody who has done an apology really well where we're like, yeah, we really buy what you're saying and we really see the pivot. Um, guys, please feel free to email us your uh, your nominations for somebody who has done a good pivot in a good way. I'm tempted to say Chrissy Teigen, but that's because she does them pretty much weekly. Um, but uh, I just don't think Ellen is ever going to be that person. I don't think she's ever going to have that moment where she's like, hey, I messed up in a way that feels genuine and not Mm -hmm. like it is engineered tears on her couch because she feels like she's in a prison or whatever it is. All right. So that leaves the staff. It's a pandemic. It is a pandemic. And so, you know, one side of that, I can see your face going like any job in a pandemic, right? Yep. But here's the other side of it, though. Everything has been thrown in the air, right? Um, everybody's freaking out because of a pandemic, whether or not they have a toxic boss or a toxic workplace. So it's conceivable that there could be a giant Hollywood musical chairs as things get back up and running, right? Conceivable, yes.
0: Like so-and-so. back
1: up and running. Right. But, you know oh, I wasn't able to do this project because I'm on this show, but, oh, then it got moved, so now I can. So now I'm ditching this job, so that job's open for so-and-so. The Whisper Network will be going uh, hard and long. And, you know, the other part of it is anybody who's in that position knows that if somebody sees their resume and sees the Ellen show on it, Mm -hmm. they're going to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. all right, hi, welcome to the team. Right.
0: So do you think there's going to be a mass exodus?
1: Um, I wouldn't say mass, but I bet you uh, that it will be steady. One of the things that, you know, they don't say in all these reports is whether there's sort of a steady level of attrition. I think they said 10 to 12 people spoke on the record, but that doesn't uh, account for people who left, quote unquote, for other jobs Mm. um, or other opportunities without saying why or who didn't want to go on the record. I bet you it will be uh, mighty steady um, or that people maybe feel braver to leave now that people know, oh, yeah, that's why you're going, right? It's not that you couldn't hack it as a PA in the business. It's because, oh, I see why.
0: Yeah. And the thing, what's interesting is that I also wonder what, like, employees at other talk shows are thinking and feeling, right? Like the people who work for Kelly, the people who work at James Corden, Drew Barrymore's talk show is starting up very soon. And so whether or not that perhaps is an inadvertent protection for, um, the situations and environments elsewhere.
1: Well, I would not be, uh, I would not do what we do. If I didn't say that, uh, you know, people were like, cool, replace Ellen. Maybe it will be James Corden, uh, which then provoked a stream of not totally dissimilar stories about James Corden mm. uh, to come out. So I feel like people are emboldened in general. Um, and I feel like there are places that were joyous to work that everybody would uh, love to have you know. I think the short-lived busy tonight was one of those. Um, so I think you'll find people being braver in general once they're safely out of the buildings.
0: I will never, ever, ever hear a bad word against Kelly Clarkson.
1: <laughs> oh, see, I thought you meant Kelly Rippa. Um, but yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. (laughs) So thanks for
0: listening. Let us know what you think of Ellen, what you think of Ellen's future. Let us know what your ideas are for the Emmys. Let us know what you want us to be talking about on the next episode in a couple of weeks. Um, and thank you so much for listening and participating and showing your work. Uh, check us out wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe and leave comments and reviews.
1: I would also like to know about uh, celebrity behavior that broke your heart or won you over. Uh, if you too became a Dakota Johnson fan, <laughs> or uh, if a story that came out uh, absolutely decimated a crush for you, let us know. Keep us posted. We'd love to hear from you. We will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.